From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. Well, good morning, everybody in the room. And if you're online, how weird is this? This is so weird for me, not for you being here, but that I'm talking to you and, and talking to half of our church who's watching at home. Um, you can't, I don't know if we can do this, um, we probably can't, but can you just wave at a camera? Wave at that, that back camera over there, everybody just kind of wave. I don't even think you're on that, you might, they might not see you. you. You may not see it if you're watching, but they're all here and they're waving at you and it's just so good to be here um, this morning. Um, I, I, happy Thanksgiving! Are you grateful this morning? Are you thankful? Can you do me a favor? This week, today, tomorrow, find a moment. And just take time, take a good 10 minutes, and just, just thank God for the things that he's done in, in through your life. And if you feel like you don't have things to be thankful for, this is a practice you need to do even more so, is you need to look for the things to be thankful for, because you'll actually create in yourself what that, that proverb axiom is, is you'll create an attitude of gratitude, right? And, and studies have shown how gratitude, it can actually change our day-to-day countenance. So just be thankful, while you're enjoying your meal, your turkey dinner, your roast, or whatever it is you're planning, you know, happy Thanksgiving. It's good to be thankful. We're not actually going to do a message focusing on Thanksgiving today because I believe that what we're going to talk about in this upcoming kind of next few weeks actually has the potential to create in us just an, a thankful heart. Um, that's not even the focus, but that will be the result. Um, but before we get there, I want to I want to share a couple things with you, pieces of information. Um, Halloween is in a few weeks, and typically we've done a um, event here called Trunk or Treat, and it's been exciting. And we've transformed this room in the foyer. Well, obviously, he would have heard if we were doing something like that. Well, we're not because of obvious reasons. We all know why. Um, but what we, I've been really wrestling with, you know, we got to do something, or can we do something, or what should we do? So I want to I share two things with you. Um, the first is Halloween, um, regardless of your thinking about it, is the one night of the year where people actually come to your door. And I know on our street, at least, and probably in our area, there's, there's still kids that are probably going to come to your door. Um, so regardless of what your thinking is, light up the night. And when people come to your door and they want, they want the candy, can you just be, if you're, if you're a giver of candy, if you, maybe you put a bucket out or maybe you're going to hand stuff out, I don't know what you're going to do in this season. But if you're planning on doing something, be Jesus and be generous. Because if it is such a dark night, it's the one time that we get to light up the night for Jesus, right? We don't just tell them to go to a place like a building like this. You can just, you can just be Jesus in your home and in your context. Um, the second thing is this, is, is we still kind of wanted to do something, so, and it's really going to be dependent on what happens in the next couple weeks, but what we're planning on doing is just like a quick drive-by. If you have kids or you know someone has kids, we're going to do like a quick drive-by candy Halloween trick-or-treating here. So what we're going to do is we're, with all the proper PPE and everything, we're going to create these bags of candy that kids can just come and, and drive in with their family and get some, get some candy because we just want to love some people. So we're still doing something. Um, um, that's that's what we have for you. The second thing is I want to say is this is um, uh, I push this a lot as life groups because I really believe that life is meant to be done in community. And as the scriptures say, iron sharpens iron. We grow the best when we grow with others. And so I want to encourage you if you are not part of a 
life group or you're not doing life with people that's actually causing you to grow is to get into a life group. Uh, we have a, n- a number of groups. If you're a, a guy, can you raise your hand if you're a, a, a man in here? Come, come on, guys, raise your hand. We have a guys group that meets, if you're online as well, we have a guys group that meets on Tuesday nights um, every other Tuesday, and you can find Dave Duster later on or you can contact me. Get involved. Guys, we need each other. We need each other to grow. There's a guys group. There's the young adults group that's going strong. So if you, if you are a young adult, not if you consider yourself a young adult, okay? I am no longer a young adult, just so you know. I'm past that, that which is weird for me. Um, so if I'm past it, some of you are past it, okay? Right? But there's a young adult group that's going strong you can get involved with. There's another group that's going to be starting up. Not tomorrow, not Monday, but the next Monday, the 19th, a life group that's starting up. So if you're looking to, to grow, you're looking to meet new people, maybe you're newer to the church or you're like, I don't feel like I know much people anymore, then this is your life group. And basically what they're doing is they're going to take Sunday's message and they're going to dig a little deeper into it. That's how they're going to start with Sunday's message. So if you miss a week of the life group, it's okay because you're not going to miss much because they're going to be doing that specific message each week. So if you're looking to be involved with that, you can go to our website, weareparkway.com. Um, um, sign up there. You can speak with myself or you can speak with Joanna Rich or Kyle Myers. And if you're online, um, connect with us and we'll get you connected. But I really believe that, that we need people to be involved in groups like that. Um, the final thing is uh, some of you have been asking about test services. Are we doing test services still? Is this still considered test service? And the answer is no. Uh, we, we, we called them test services because we really wanted to make sure that we had all the, the kind of kinks and bugs and we followed the proper protocol on all that. But we think we've kind of figured it out, so we're no longer calling the test services. We're here. We're here, okay, until, until they say we can't. In fact, what we're actually looking at doing is because um, I know I usually about Wednesday night, a Thursday morning, somewhere around there, registration kind of reaches, RSVP kind of reaches its capacity, is we're actually going to look at, starting November 1st, um, opening up to two services. And so there'll be a, a 9.15 and an 11 a.m. that you can be a part of. Because here's what we believe. What, what, what our vision is, is we want everyone to experience Jesus in a life-changing way. And so we want to make more room for everyone to experience Jesus in a life-changing way. And that just doesn't mean people who are far from God. It also means you who are close to God. You still need to experience Jesus in a life-changing way. And if you're online, and what this is going to do is going to create more space it's going to allow me not to feel terrible when, I, when someone messages me and says, is there room? And I'm like, no. I don't want to say that. I don't want to say there's no more room. You can't come to church, right? For those of you who are you know, still like, well, you know, I don't know if I'm uncomfortable or not. There'll be a little bit more space, so maybe we can be a little bit more distance. But that's what we're looking at doing. So we're actually moving forward, if you're, if you're wondering. Um, and, uh, and that's what I got for you for announcements. So if you have a Bible, turn to Psalms chapter 139, uh, verses, uh, starting in verse 23. Uh, to 24, we are going to uh, take a little bit of a detour from our series in the Gospel of Mark for the next three weeks, and we're going to do a series called Dangerous Prayers. And this is a series that is based off of the book Dangerous Prayers by a guy named Craig Groeschel. If you're looking for a light, easy, inspiring read, this is for you. It's a very easy read. If you're looking for a deep theological work, this is not that. All right, but, but what we're going to do is look at um, uh, three different prayers over the course of the next three weeks um, that, that I believe and that the premise of this book teaches have the ability to change your life. Because no, unbeknown to probably many of you, we pray very safe prayers. We pray very safe prayers, and what we want to do is we want to pray dangerous prayers. The kind of prayers you pray, I believe, will determine 
who you are, where you are, and the level of faith that you have. And by faith, I mean that certainty, that confidence, that trust in Jesus, the kind of level of faith you have in Jesus, the kind of level of trust and confidence you have in Jesus. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, I believe it is, says that we have been assigned a measure of faith. And a lot of us kind of sometimes look around, and if we know that, we'll say, well, I don't have the same measure of faith as them. Or we can say, well, you know what, everyone's going to have a different measure of faith, so our faith is going to look different. But here's what I believe. I believe that all of us haven't reached our assigned level of faith. That God, when he created us and he formed us and he fashioned us, he assigned us a measure, a level, a standard of faith that we would reach, and we're not even close to getting close to it. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. So we're going to look at um, uh, Psalms 139. We're going to look at a dangerous prayer today. I just believe that somebody's been praying for me. I need to say this, church. Somebody's been praying for me from this church. I can probably guess who they are. But God has been really stirring my heart this, this week. And one of the things he's stirring, I'm going to be honest, I'm going to be clear. One of the things he's been stirring uh, me in is to, is to take less notes into this pulpit. And ironically, here's what I did. I'm like, no, God, I'm not going to do that because I like to have things written and formulated and ready. And that's how I work. And then he's like, no, just, just trust me. Have faith. And I'm like, okay, do I have faith? But then I'm going to have assurances. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to take some notes. i got a couple notes here. I'm going to put some more notes in my back just in case. And then the last couple of days I'm like, oh, this is just not easy for me. I don't like doing this. So I got my iPad ready just in case. And do you know what happened when I first came up here during that last video? It went black. <laughs> I literally, I went like this to go log in. I'm like, oh, it went black. And I like smiled to myself because I know someone's been praying some dangerous prayers for me. <laughs> it's dangerous, church. Do you know why it's dangerous? I'll say this as the leader of this church because change often happens top down. So if, if, if you can get the leadership to shift, then that will, what God is going to do is going to flow through that. And so I really believe, I, asked, I even texted a couple of people this morning. I said, I need you to pray with me this morning because I don't know what God is doing, but I believe he's going to do something in this message. Maybe not this message, but just something in the spirit in your life. I believe over the course of the next three weeks as we kind of just look at this or just what God is doing in this season that he's just shifting the fabric of and the framework of Parkway Church. I shared this with the prayer group on Wednesday night. I, I, I said, you know what, I, we say this kind of thing often that God is doing stuff, but I really believe that God is, that God is doing something in Parkway Church and I need you to believe it with me. I know he's doing stuff in me. So Psalms chapter uh, 139 we're going to go straight to the end to, to verse 23. It says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Father, we just bless you today. And we thank you today. And we honor you. And I ask in the name of Jesus, as we look at this word today, would you speak to our heart? Lord, your word says that faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God. And so I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that our measure of faith, God, would increase. We would reach our assigned level and you would do a work in us that leaves us transformed and changed and looking a little bit more like Christ Jesus than when we came here today. Lord, we love you and we bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. So when was the last time you did something really dangerous? 
like really dangerous. As, as I grow older, I'm starting to realize that I'm, I don't like dangerous too much. I like, I like more safe. I, I, I don't do the risky things anymore. But this, this past summer, the beginning of summer, maybe the end of spring, I did the most epic dad thing I could probably have done up until this point. And I built my four-year-old and my six-year-old son bike ramps. My four-year-old, at this time, hadn't figured out how to bike without training wheels. And my six-year-old had just figured out how to bike without training wheels. And I thought, man, they've come this far. Let's get them further. Let's get them some jumps to go over. And so I did what only dads could do is I went online and I found plans from a BMX biker to build this ramp. And let me tell you, it's not good unless it's got plans. And this ramp was not just any kind of ramp. It had like, it wasn't just straight. It wasn't something you just lead them board up against some wood and then go over. It had swoop to it. It had, it had curve, right? It had enough to get air. And I'm watching these guys do it. I'm like, oh, you know, I could do that. You know, Eli could learn. You know, he just goes over a little bit and he'll figure it out. And then I thought, you know what? Joshua's not going to be able to do this. Maybe he'll be able to do this by the end of the summer because I'm a dad and I think, you know, pretty progressively. I'm like, yes. But then I thought, i got to build him something small. And so I built him a small little ramp that's basically the height of the 2 by 4 and I learned very quickly that he couldn't even go over with his training wheels because his training wheels were a little too far apart, and it kind of just fell off the ramp. So I built this big ramp, and they were super excited about it. I'm excited about it. I'm thinking, man, I'm going to get back into biking, and this is going to be amazing. So I built it all. probably took me a day, and then I bring it out into the middle of the road because that's where we bike, and Eli proceeds to go over this. And I'm watching this thing, and I'm going, oh, shoot. This is not what I thought it was. This is not safe. So I thought, let me give it a go. Let, let, let me give it a go. And so I grab my mountain bike, my $50 Facebook Marketplace purchase, and I go to the end of my street, and I line up, and I just start giving her, right? I'm pedaling. I'm pedaling hard. And I'm pedaling the kind of hard that you no longer sit on the seat hard, right? Like, you're standing up pedaling. Like, you don't pedal with your arms. That's just weird if you pedal with your arms. Maybe you got one of those kind of, you ever seen those bikes? So I'm pedaling, and I'm going fast. And the closer I get to this thing, the realize that swoop is a little swoopy. Like, it's, it's a little high. And so the 35-year-old me decides to hit the brakes and slow down a bit and go over it. And that's when I realized that this thing is actually crazy not really safe for my six-year-old to go over so I had to modify bring it back in the garage tear it all apart saw it all up and make it about half the size with no swoop no curve just straight straight it's nice and safe now they love it they enjoy it have you ever done something lately that is dangerous or life-altering let me ask you this when was the last time you prayed a prayer that was dangerous when was the last time you prayed the kind of prayer that had the ability to change your life. We pray very safe prayers. Very safe prayers. Blanket statements that don't really do much to challenge, stretch, or grow our faith. God, help me today. Be with me today. Bless me. Give me traveling mercies. Put around me a hedge of protection. These are good prayers. Like, pray these prayers, but they're safe prayers. They're not dangerous prayers, and the kind of prayers you pray will determine who you are, where you are, and the level of faith that you have. And when I look at the scriptures, I don't see safe prayers. I see, I see gut-wrenching. I see life or death. I see practical. I see soul-searching prayers. I don't see the kind of prayer that says, Lord, do whatever it takes to save my child. I don't see the kind of prayers that says, Lord, 
Do whatever it takes to get me there. Break me. Search me. I don't see that. But yet, in our church culture, help me today. My kids pray these prayers, and I feel really, actually, in preparation for this series, we pray with our kids often, and usually more prominently at the end of the night, the end of the day before bed. And my, I hear in my, my four-year-old boy saying, Lord, give me a good day tomorrow. I'm like, you can have a good day, and you can know whether, you won't even know if it was God or not. God help me today. And you can, have a, you can have a day and not even know if God was a part of it or not. When was the last time we prayed the kind of prayer that we, all, we knew, we knew with a fact that it could be only be answered because God was involved? When was the last time we prayed the kind of prayer that shifted our entire life? I don't see that in the scriptures. I see real, raw, genuine. And that's not to say that our prayers aren't real and raw, but they're very safe. So what is prayer and why is prayer so important? Prayer is, is the lifeline to faith. If, if understanding who God is and reading the scriptures and learning about God is the framework that builds a faith-filled follower, then prayer is everything else. It is, it is central. It is paramount. It's not only crucial. It, it, faith doesn't exist without it, no more than, than a relationship with somebody else doesn't exist without communication. The whole of scripture is actually bringing us back into the relationship that God had intended in the beginning. If you look at the beginning in the Garden of Eden, what did God do with Adam and Eve? He walked with them. There was, there was physical contact. There was relationship. There was intimacy. There was not just knowing about, but there was a, there was a connectedness. And that was severed because of sin. And since that moment, in, in Genesis chapter 3, since that moment, God has been working at restoring that relationship that was lost. That is what Jesus did on the cross. That is what he did when the temple curtain was torn in two. It gave us access to have that, that meaningful relationship. And prayer is what gives us that access. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, at the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push into conscious awareness of his presence. But many Christians live their life unconscious of God's presence. We claim to be in relationship, but we are not acting like in, we are in relationship. Prayer is essential to having that connectedness and that relationship with God, just like communication is essential for relationship with one another. You know, I can, I can claim to be in a relationship in marriage with my wife. I can read about her. I can study about her. I can sing songs about her. I can go to groups and we can talk all about her. I can even wear a ring and I can claim to be married, but that doesn't mean the relationship exists. No way that I can, I can learn about God. I can read about God. I can, I can go on Facebook and follow God. I can go into a gathering like this and I can sing about God. I can even wear a necklace with a little cross on it and say, I got God, but that doesn't mean I have a relationship with God. Do you know many of us have what I call Facebook relationships with God? For those of you on Facebook, how many of you got friends that you're not actually friends with? I got hundreds of friends on Facebook. I don't even know who they are. Like some people pop up, I'm like, who is this? And apparently I'm friends with them. And we have Facebook friendships with God. We claim to be in a relationship with God. We claim to have friendship with God, but we don't have friendship. Do you know, and you're probably like me, I got a lot of acquaintances, 
but I could probably count only on two hands the amount of close, intimate relationships I have. I only got 10 fingers, people. Maybe some of you got more than that, but I only got 10. We have Facebook friendship with God. Did God make it to your 10? We claim he's in there, but do you talk to him as much as you talk to Sally Jesse and Billy Joel? <laughs> I don't even know why I came in my head. That's what happens when I don't have a lot of notes. The more prayers I pray and the kind of prayers I pray bring me into a greater relationship with the Lord. So what is a dangerous prayer? A dangerous prayer requires risk, but it causes faith. It's risky because it has the potential to change everything about you and everything around you. That's risky. It's risky because it has the potential to change how you spend your money, how you spend your time, where you live, what you do with the rest of your life. But it builds faith. It builds faith in the process because you end up becoming the person and being the person and doing the things and being the places that God wants you to be. Can I just tell you that one of the riskiest prayers that we prayed as a family was whether or not we should come here. That was a dangerous prayer. It was dangerous because we had to shift our entire lives. My wife, Jody, had to quit her job. We had to pull my son out of school. We had to move away from family. That's a life change, people. We didn't know really what to expect. Some of you seemed like really nice people when we came here. Seemed like a great, really nice church, but it was a known future. But it was dangerous. It required risk, but what did it do? It built our faith. It built our faith. So Psalms chapter 139, we're going to start with this um, this, this week. Uh, David prayed this. Uh, Psalms 139 is considered to be, by scholars, the most excellent psalm because of its theology of God. It has great theology of God. And, and psalms, just so you know, are songs. Psalm actually means a song sung to the accompaniment of a stringed instrument. But psalms, in a beautiful way, are prayers. In fact, if you're really looking how to build your prayer life or how to expand and how to learn how to pray, is read the Psalms. I would encourage you to read a Psalm a day and pray the Psalms. So we're going to look at Psalms 139, and it said that um, when, when this was written, the possibility of when this was written was twofold. Either one, when David was just about to take the throne and become king of Israel, or while he was king and his enemies and God's enemies were on the attack and accusing him of, of wrong motives. In either case, David finds himself in a very challenging situation. And on the, on the one side, he's about to step into a great and powerful position. And how many of you know that many people in great and powerful positions use it to their own advantage? And so on that one hand, he's praying this prayer, search me, God, and lead me. On the other hand, we have, we have the possibility of him being accused of having the wrong motives and being attacked by enemies. And so he's praying again, search me and lead me. Search me, he says, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, and see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. So I want to break this up into four parts. The first is this, know my heart. Know my heart, he says. Now here's the, the interesting point, is God already knows David's heart, and David knows that God knows his heart. 
In fact, in the beginning of the psalm, he says this. He says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Did you know, church, that God knows you? God knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every thought before you think it. He knows every word before you speak it. He knows every action before you take it. He knows you. He's searched you already. And he's found you out. When you're trying to hide him, he knows where you're hiding. When you're trying to conceal, he knows what you're concealing. When you're broken, he knows when you're breaking. When you're hurting, he knows where you're hurting before you were even there. He knows you. And so David prays this prayer, search me and know my heart, knowing very well that God's already done that. What he's actually praying is reveal to me my heart. Show me what you see. As the God who understands all and is everywhere, what exists inside my heart? Now, a couple of weeks ago, I already touched on this. We talked about this when we talked about Jesus and what Jesus had said in Mark chapter 7. But, but what's, what, what, what he's saying in this is he's saying, um, reveal to me my heart because what we think exists in there is not what actually exists in there. We like to believe that there's goodness in there. We like to believe that deep down inside we're good people, right? And others are good people. So we say things like, well, they're good people. Or they mean well deep down in their heart. They're good. But that's a cultural perspective, not a biblical one. And I say those things. I'm, I'm guilty of saying those things. I'm like, oh, they're good people. Oh, yeah, they're a good person. But that's a cultural perspective, not a biblical one. Jesus said this. He says, he says for it is from within out of a person's heart that evil thoughts come. It's from within. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Proverbs chapter 4 says to guard your heart for everything we do flows from it. What you do when nobody's looking comes from your heart. What you think when you think nobody else knows comes from your heart. I was reading this this week in Jeremiah chapter 17. I kind of want to hang here for a bit. Verse 9, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and is beyond cure. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's, it's a liar. Your heart is a liar. And it says this. He says, who can understand it? Another translation says, who can know how bad it is? Your heart is bad. Well, that's not very nice to say. I'm not saying it. That's what the Bible is saying. That's what God is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's why Jesus came to transform your heart, to give you a new heart. So that what was intended to flow from it can actually flow from it. We need to understand that without Jesus, our hearts are not good. And inherently, we are evil. And that is a hard thing to swallow. Research shows that most people tell multiple lies a day. We lie because we don't want someone to feel bad. How many of you men have been shopping with a significant other? And they asked you how it looked? And you were afraid in that moment? You feared what, what to say? There's only one answer. Actually, if you can say it before they buy it, then maybe you're safe. But after they buy it, there's only one answer. It looks phenomenal. We, we, we say things because we don't want someone to feel bad. We lie about ourselves because we want ourselves to look good. So we exaggerate, right? We, we bend the truth. We, you know, the fish was this big. Right? When we know the fish wasn't that big. 
My son, I've noticed in this in my son, but he's a kid, so he doesn't understand that you just kind of, you bend the truth a little bit. So he'll say to his friends, well, I can do a hundred million kajillion. And I look at him, I'm like, that is not true. You can do one. <laughs> Whatever it is, we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves what we believe the truth is from our heart, but our heart is deceptive. And so we say things like, well, I'm not going to eat that much. I'm just going to have one bite. I know my limits. I'll just have one drink. I'm not a gossip. I just want to share with people who care. I'm not materialistic. I just like to shop. I don't have a lust problem. I just appreciate a good figure. Right? We lie to ourselves. I'm not prideful. I'm just really good at this. I'm not selfish. I just need some me time. We lie to ourselves. We deceive ourselves. And we pray a dangerous prayer when we say to God, show me what deceit is in there. Show me what exists in there. Reveal to me what's hidden down in the deep depths of my heart because my heart is lying to me and I can't see. I can't see. It has the ability to bring you into a deeper intimacy with God as the God who knows all things tells you a little bit more about yourself. It brings you into a greater awareness of who you are so that you can actually move forward how you were intended to move forward. That's dangerous. Know my heart. The second thing he says is, is test me and know my anxious thoughts. What makes you anxious? What makes you fearful? What are you most afraid of? Not the giant spiders that lurk in the corners of your house. I don't know if you've found this lately, but I'm finding some massive spiders. Not even like the kind of small spiders, like I'm talking big spiders. We found a big spider in our lawn the other day, crawling on our lawn. It was the biggest spider I've ever seen near your house. In fact, it was so big that Eli looks at me and says, that's got to be a tarantula. I'm like, it's not, but it's almost the size of a tarantula. It was like a toonie. Like, it was huge. Not spiders. Maybe some of you are afraid of like someone that's going to leap out from behind the shower curtain. And so you never, you never keep the shower curtain closed. You always have it open just in case someone's hiding there. You know, you go in there and you're just like fist cocked. You're ready to go just in case. Or maybe you're like me and you don't like the dark basements. You know, what lurks down deep in the dark. I, as a kid, I used to hate coming up last out of the basement because I had to turn off the lights. And the moment I turn off the lights, I know all the boogeyman's come out, right? So not that kind of fear. But what are you afraid of the most? Losing a job? Not getting married by a certain time, ending up being alone. Maybe you're afraid of being stuck in a marriage that isn't healthy. Maybe you're afraid of, of your kids getting hurt. Maybe you're afraid of failing. Maybe you're afraid of people actually finding out who you really are. What are you afraid of the most? And this is important because what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. What we fear the most reveals where we haven't really yet trusted in God. If I fear losing my job, am I not trusting God to provide that he's my provider? If I fear being in stuck in a healthy unhealthy marriage, am I, am I am I not trusting God with my marriage? If I fear that my kids are going to get hurt or something's going to happen to them, am I not trusting God with my kids? What I fear the most reveals where I trust God the least. And what we're doing when we pray this prayer is we're asking God to show us areas in our life where we've not given him complete control. Amen. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What is an area of my life that I've not made you Lord over yet? I'm not going to give yet, God, because I don't trust that you're going to provide if I get rid of this. I can't give more time because I can't trust that you're going to take care of me if I give more time. 
I, I can't sell everything and give my possessions to the poor. Who's going to take care of me after that? I can't move six hours away. Because what's going to happen to me then? What do you fear the most? The Bible says to cast your cares upon him and he'll not let the righteous fall. You know, one of my, my biggest fears, and I'll just, I'm just trying to be real and honest today, I've battled this almost all my life, is the fear of not being good enough. And I think this is very typical of, of men, but I've felt inadequate. I've battled it all my life. It's, it's why in grade seven, I didn't try out for the soccer team and I never played soccer again. I played in Reich here or there. It's why when I first started to feel compelled to sing, I wouldn't sing. In fact, when I first was invited to be on a worship team and sing, there, I was backup. I was a backup singer, and there's three of us, and I was the third backup. And do you know what I did the whole time? In front of a congregation of 1,200 people, I lip-synced. I pretended. I pretended the whole time. It's why I lost sleep about speaking publicly. It's why I still get nervous about speaking publicly. Last year, I was invited to, to teach at a, at a, a youth leaders conference, youth pastor and youth leaders conference is wow baby thank you that's my girl <laughs> wow daddy you have s- such a great opportunity <laughs> I was invited to speak at this at this conference and my topic was becoming more a more effective communicator ironically I didn't feel effective enough to teach others on how to be effective and so I turned it down in fact I told the facilitator of the event I gave him three other names of people I thought would do better than me I said here are people that I actually still do believe they'll do better than me. And luckily, this facilitator is my friend, and he wouldn't take no for an answer. Because what I fear the most it actually is, is leading me towards the things God wants me to do. Because often, your fears will hold you back from the things God is calling you towards, because fear does not come from God. It comes from the enemy. And so if he can make you afraid, he's going to hold you back and stop you from walking in obedience to the things God's calling you to do. What we fear the most shows where we trust God the least. Fear holds us back. Faith compels us forward. Fear stops us from being obedient. Faith helps us walk in obedience. Faith is what catapults us to becoming and walking into the potential that God created and designed us to walk in. Faith is what compels us to take the risks and go to the places that God calls us to go. Faith is what makes us bold to share, have the courage to go, and the strength to hold on. How many of you know sometimes you need a little faith when the boss calls you in the office to talk about your performance? Or you got word about the transfer? Or when the school calls to tell you about, talk to you about your children? Or when you're being let go? Faith helps you hold on and trust and say, it's okay, my God's got me. We cannot be driven by fear. We need to be led by faith. It propels us forward and it pushes us through our fears. So when we pray the kind of prayer that says, no, my anxious thoughts, we're saying, God, I want to move forward in faith. He says this in number three. He says, see if there's any offensive way in me. See if there's any offensive way in me. What is there inside of me that offends and hurts your heart? Is there something in me that is inconsistent with the truth of your word? Is there something there that is displeasing you? What he's saying is uncover my sin. And this is really dangerous because it's so challenging. So we have a hard time facing ourselves. 
And we have a hard time letting our sins be exposed. Like Adam and Eve, we want to hide it. We want to hide the wrong we do. We want to bury it and just say, let's just do away with it. Let nobody know what's there. But he's saying, see if there's any offensive way in me. How many of you know that it's so much easier to accuse someone else and excuse yourself? We tend to do that. We point out the wrong in somebody else very easily. But when we look at ourselves, we say, I'm okay. And so we're judgmental, right? But if we pray this prayer, I believe that God can speak in two very clear areas that I want to reveal to you. He gives you clues that are kind of outside yourself. The first is this. What have others told you about you? What have others told you about you? Is there an area of your life, a habit, a lifestyle, an action, a word or deed that others have suggested needs to change? Is there an area of your life that maybe has been challenged by others? Is there something that, some, that a few people have said is unwise? Usually if a couple people have said it, then it's worth listening to. Maybe they're trying to tell you you play too many video games. You think that's a joke, but it's true for some people. Maybe they're trying to tell you, yeah, do you know what? You drink too much. Maybe they're trying to tell you that, yeah, that thing that you're doing is a little harmful. You're choosing the wrong kind of activity. Maybe for you, that, that's, that's saying that the thing you think is helping you cope is actually destructive. Maybe they're telling you you're bouncing around from relationship to relationship and it's not healthy. What, what are others saying, and could it be that God is using others to speak into an area of your life? Instead of defending your actions here, maybe it's time we accept that truth. And that leads to the second, is what are we rationalizing is okay? What have we rationalized is okay? Is there something in your life that you know is wrong, but you continue to ignore God's Warning, something that you do that you defend your actions. So you say, it's just my way to cope. Well, it's okay to joke like this and talk like this in the office because I'm building relationships so I can tell people about Jesus one day. Really? Well, I know there's some sexuality in it, in this movie, in this show, but it's not going to lead me to lust. It's maybe, maybe you won't lust, but you're desensitizing yourself to sexuality. And you're putting yourself in the position that could be. Or maybe you're showing someone around you that it's not as big a deal as it should be. What are you rationalizing is okay? God, what have I told myself? That's what the enemy does, right? Did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree? It's not going to hurt you. Nobody else is watching Nobody else is going to get hurt. No, we don't like that one. That's when silence comes to the room. Because we do it. We excuse our sin. We hide it. And we justify it. We say, here are the reasons why. And so David is saying, Lord, is there any offensive way in me? Because if someone is accusing me of wrong motives on the one hand... I don't want to be someone that has an offensive way. The Bible says in the New Testament calls leaders to be blameless, to be above reproach. That means that not even allowing your good to be spoken of of evil. So even if it's not necessarily sinful in and of itself, is it, is it reproachable? Is it offensive? Is there a way in me that doesn't lead people towards you? Search me, God. And here's the thing, when you, when you pray this prayer and you ask this, 
of God and he reveals something to you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hazard a guess that if you're listening right now, he, you already know what it is and he's already put his finger on it. He's like, that's you. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, by the way. Instead of rationalizing it again, submit it to the cross. That's when the scriptures say to confess your sins and he is just and faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. That's who Jesus is. I already know what's in there. Bring it to me, and I'm going to forgive you. That's like Adam hiding behind the bush when he sinned from an all-knowing God who created the bush in the first place. And Adam's, or God's playing the, the game that says, Adam, where are you? He already knows. And Adam's trying to hide. Don't hide. Just, just bring it. Bring it and submit it to God. Search me. Know my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Is there any offensive way in me? And lastly, I'm going to invite Matt to come on the keys here, is lead me. Lead me. Once my heart and my fears and my sins have been revealed, lead me in the way. So David's praying this as he's about to step onto the throne or as he's being attacked. And in either case, he's saying, God, I want to do and I want to go. Lifted to the way that is right. I don't know what's happening there. I want, to be, I want to be led in the right way. So lead me in my heart. Lead me when you reveal my fears. Lead me when I take offense or I have an offensive way. Lead me in the way of everlasting. What is the way of God? What is the way of Jesus? Christians were called followers of the way. It was one of self-sacrifice. It was one of, of, of denial. It's, it's a one of, I die to myself. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So lead me to no longer live for me, but to live for you. So it's no longer about me. It's no longer my life. It's not my job. It's not my house. It's not my career. It's not my family. It's not my life. It's not my future. I live my life for you. I live my life for you. Search me and help me live for you. Help me to live for the audience of one because it's about you. It's not about anything else. It's for you. It's not for anyone else. My life is yours. That's why Paul said that I no longer live, but who lives in me? Christ. Because Paul recognized that what existed inside himself was not goodness. So I can no longer live, but the goodness that flows out of me is Christ living through me. Lead me in the way everlasting, God. That's what David's praying. Search me, know me, see if there's offense in me, and lead me in the way you want me to go. Lead me as I go into my workplace. Lead me when I interact with my family. Lead me when I'm out with the girls or the guys. Lead me when I'm about to accept this position or not. Lead me. Lead me in my future. Lead me in the next 20 years of my life. Lead me. My chapter's not done. It's just beginning. What do you have in store? Search me and make me who you need me to be. That's a dangerous prayer, people. You want to know why it's dangerous? Because it's going to change your life. And you can either exist for the next however many years you got left, and you can stand before God, and nothing about your life was impactful for the entire globe. Or you can stand before God, and he can say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Not only did you do what I set out for you to do, but you prayed in such a way that led you there. Because praying the kind of prayers that are safe are not going to lead you to the places God is calling you to go. Praying the kind of prayers that are safe is not going to lead you into deeper intimacy. And it's about intimacy. 
Do you know the eternity with God is eternal relationship? It's not that God exists, is existing far off. It's that he's close. It's about the relationship. Do you know what I've noticed with me and Jody? The more open we are with one another, the better our relationship, the healthier it is. And in that, there's more love. Like we, we got more love, there's more joy, we're, we're at peace. But when we don't do that, there's more tension. There's more hardship. There's more difficulty. There's less peace, there's less joy. I don't know about you, but a relationship with God isn't meant to be mundane. It's not meant to be boring. And if it's boring for you, you're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. If, if you feel like you're missing something, you've, you're missing something. Stop praying safe prayers. Stop playing it safe with God. Stop praying prayers that don't honor a powerful God. Stop praying the kind of prayers that don't require the power of God to change. Because if you're praying a prayer that, that I can answer, it's not a God-worthy prayer. Pray the kind of prayer that only God can answer. Pray the kind of prayer that gets you through, God, I need breakthrough right now. God, I, Hannah in the Old Testament was without child, and she wanted a baby, so what'd she do? She prayed for a baby and got a baby. That's a, that's a practical prayer. Pray that kind of prayer. You need, you need a new work. You want to you have a job that honors God? God, take me away from this job and lead me to a job that is going to honor you. Even if it means through a season, I got to go through a desert and I got to trust you. And he'll take you through that. But we don't like that desert. Stop playing safe. Pray a dangerous prayer. And you will see your life change. And we will see our church change. So I, I arrived here earlier this week than I usually do. I got here, usually I get here around 8 o'clock and we meet and then you know, everyone gets ready. I got here at 6.45. I came into this room and I prayed some dangerous prayers for you. I prayed the kind of prayers that said no matter what age they are, radically shift their mindset so they only see you. I prayed that you'd be convicted of your sin. Don't pray that, Pastor. It's because I love you. I don't want to play it safe. I want to risk it all to follow Jesus because he gave it all for me. The kind of prayers you pray will determine who you are, where you are, and your level of faith. So I want to end with this. Would you just bow your head? Actually, I want you to keep your eyes open. We're going to put that scripture. Can you put that scripture up? We're going to pray this as our prayer together, and then I'll close this in prayer. So I want you to read it with me, okay? Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, that's our prayer. That's our prayer today. bless you, God. You know all things. You know everything about us. Search us. Change us. 
Lord, I pray for every person that's in hearing of this message today. God, that they would recognize that you know their heart better than they know their heart. Reveal to them what's in it. Show them their fears, that they would learn to trust you in those areas. Reveal sin, that we may be, come before you and confess it and receive forgiveness and be set free. And lead us forward. Lead us forward, we pray. We bless you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to pray the kind of prayers that are life-altering. Don't pray the prayers that aren't. When I was a kid growing up, we'd say grace over our meal, and I'd repeat the same thing every time. God is good, God is great, let us thank him for this food, amen. Now that sounds really silly, but we do that in our prayer life. We just don't use those words, we use different ones. So pause before you pray, think about what you're gonna say. Pray something that's gonna alter your life, amen? Hey, listen, I'm so glad you're here. If you're tuning in online, bless you. If you're in the room or if you're on, online and you're newer, head to weareparkway.com slash next steps and, and fill out that form. We wanna give you a small gift. If everybody in the room or you're online and you're looking for what your next step is, go to that same link. Here's what I believe. I, I really believe that in this season, we need to get some baptisms. I believe somebody needs to go public with their faith. Listen, here's what it is, and you can listen to this room. The Bible says that we are saved when we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. What better confession of faith than going before people publicly and saying, I believe. Now, how do we do that in this season? I got a great idea. We find someone that's in your social circle, in your bubble, a family member that is a believer and that is a follower of Jesus, and we get them to do it. How great would that be? How great would that be? Yeah, you can clap for that. So if you're looking for your next step, next steps are on there. Listen, God bless you. God keep you. And may God stir your heart to pray something that changes your life. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.